This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. listening to Piper Carter and our token millennial. What's up, Brittany? Hi, Piper. <laughs> so, um, oh my goodness. Wasn't last week fun? Mm-hmm. I had we, so much fun. I had so much fun, right? I couldn't stop talking about it. It was like really, um, what's the word? Rejuvenating. It was rejuvenating. Right? Like I was seeing people after the fact. I'm like, dang, I hate I didn't invite you. Like I should have mm. just told way more people to pull up. Like, Yeah. 
But even though it was tons of people it there. It was tons of people. Yeah. It was just beautiful, Man, great was... energy. It gave me um like like a battery charge or something. Of like color and light and you know, yeah, I feel like, like it beauty, did that. Mm-hmm. Love community. It was, it was so good, mm-hmm. and like talking to people and just listening. I, I met like a lot of people. Me too. Yeah, I like that. I like meeting new people. Me too. Especially when you're like, "Dang, you've been in the city this long, right? Where you been? Like, and, and they've been doing stuff, right? And I haven't been aware. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I learned a lot. I really appreciate that. That was cool. That was a that was a cool remote remote one. We do some cool remote ones, but that one that, that one was, was a, really good. It was like Happy Summer. And you know what else um, from last week? So I um, got a chance to present at um, Detroit Startup Week, right? Oh, wow. They had, um, so Motor City Woman, Mm -hmm. um, well, so Robin Kinney Mm -hmm. owns Motor City Woman. And that's a podcast network as well. And it's a podcast studio. And it's like Detroit is different. Um, and she has, um, people that, you know, have different shows and things like that. And I'm so honored. She invited me to be, um, a professional, you know, guest along with, um, um, Shen Kaysen. Okay. And so she did a really cool presentation about, um, podcasting in general mm-hmm. and how to get started and the different types of podcasts and how to monetize and how to, you know, be an engineer and then looking at advertising and different ways to promote yourself. So it was like a, she started it off as like a podcast workshop. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to say that presentation was maybe like 35 minutes. Okay. And then she interviewed me and him. Oh, that's dope. About our podcasts. And for her to say that she's a huge fan of like both of our podcasts, I was like, wow. So that made me feel really just honored. You know, I was mm-hmm. so humbled. Like, wow. Because um, she's very well respected, you know, um, in all honesty, I wanted to put my podcast on her studio um, before, you know, I knew about Detroit is Different. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was going to, you know, really like originally like put my podcast before. But um, it was just for me where she was, it was like far out, you know, it was in like Southfield, which is far from me because I don't have a car. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to be consistent. You know what I'm saying? It worked out. So, yeah. So I did Detroit is different. And I'm glad it worked out because this is a great family here. And I'm yeah. really happy about that. But makes me think maybe I could do a second podcast over mm-hmm. there or something. I got to think of it. I got to talk to Kari. But anyway. <laughs> I got you. I got you. You know, I but you. I want to support, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean. So where was this at? Where was the event? So they did it at, ironically, the Durfee um, Innovation Center, which was actually the place where the entire community was like boycotting against this innovation center even being created by this dude named um life remodeled or his Mm. his company's life remodeled he bought it for a dollar during um emergency management and got it well i'm not gonna say illegally but let's just say morally questionably towards the end of um you know the uh emergency management and he got it for a dollar and it's the school and the community said they did not want 
him to get this because they really needed it. You know, they needed the school for the community and they ended up moving the elementary, middle and high school into the same building. And it was just all this stuff. So they fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and lost. And now it's, it's a a co-working, it's a gentrified co-working space, event space, you know, it's all that. So what's funny is, is, Two years ago, our intern, our summer intern, chose that as our um, give back initiative for the summer. Oh is- yeah, they 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 get um, all types of uh, you know volunteers and free labor, but it's like millions of dollars that they have to um, to do you know that stuff. But they connect with all these different organizations and have them volunteer and have them feeling good about themselves about volunteering, um, which is like a whole other interesting thing. They give community service credits, blah, blah, blah. There's all these volunteer groups that you can get. So but um, it's just an interesting trajectory. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's here now. So what are you going to do? But long story short, yeah. the event, the, the Detroit Startup Week was incredible. Mm. Robin was amazing. And um, the workshop that we did was full. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people love her. And they, they, they came out. You know what I'm That's saying? To like see. So that was incredible. That's cool. It seems like podcasting in Detroit is is uh connecting a lot of people. Like a lot of people are doing mm-hmm. doing good things with it. So yeah. that's cool. So then the other thing is um I uh I attended the Encobra um well the the national Encobra um convention talking mm-hmm. about reparations. Mm-hmm. And so um I didn't attend all the events. I attended Three. No, I attended two. And so one of them was so incredible. Um, Shouts out to Anita Bell. Shouts out. She was like, what do they call it? Like the co-chair? She was like a Mm co-chair of the Detroit Incobra chapter or the Incobra Detroit chapter. And I went to her training, which was, um, I think it was like Tuesday. No, no, it was Wednesday. And then Thursday she did another one or something like that. And then um, the Encobra one started Friday and then they had Saturday, Sunday. So... Oh, they did a whole week? Pretty much. Wow. And, oh my God, I learned so much from her. I mean, like, we're going to have to just, like, bring her onto this show to talk about, you know, some of the things that she was teaching. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's so much great information. It's like, wow. So that was pretty powerful. Um, and then what else did we do? Well, to uh, so like fast forward. So today I was attending a, um, a training uh, with an organization called SEMIS. It's like Southeast Michigan... Um, coalition is basically about environmental justice and it trains you how to be a place-based educator. So mm-hmm. whether that's in the classroom or outside of the classroom, using environmental justice, whether it be in the science class or, you know, language arts or wherever. How to like incorporate it in. How to incorporate it in. And and place-based. So not just sitting there listening to someone talk to you and then writing stuff down, but like getting into whatever it is. So like today, um, I got a chance to learn about the Detroit Riverfront 
through going on to the riverfront. We went to the outdoor center and they had the nature people, you know, take us on a walk Mm -hmm. and they showed us the different buildings and the architecture. And we learned about, you know, the history, you know, of the waterfront. Um, And, you know, it it was just like really great. And then um, I did another workshop that was on trees and it was the trees that are just like right there. And then the ones that are native to Michigan and Mm. like, you know, what they produce and things like that. So um, that was really interesting because I got to learn about, you know, the difference between the different, like the white pine, which is Michigan's, you know, official tree and, you know, just looking at, you know, the tree itself, like that it has five pins, you know, like five pines on its leaf. And we looked at like maple trees and just all these different, you know, oak trees. Like it was really beautiful. Um, perfect day for that too. It was perfect day. The weather was just beautiful. It was incredible, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. So can you give us like a fun fact about the riverfront? So, oh my God, there's so many. I'm like, which one do I want to share? So, well, long story short, um, do I don't know? Do you know about uh, William Lambert? No. So William Lambert, uh, what do we call ourselves? The African Americans, black, you know, Negro, <laughs> descendant of slaves, you know, uh, native black, you mm. know, indigenous, indigenous you know, black indigenous. So he mm. was an abolitionist. Okay. And he had a house, which was like, um, in black bottom. And it was right by Jefferson, like not too far from like Jefferson and St. Albans, like around that area. And so that was the original black bottom, which is where all the black people lived in Detroit, the original area where black people lived in Detroit. Named so after the rich black soil. Got you. And he was an abolitionist. He had money. He used his money to do things like um, fund, you know, the uh, the bottomless wagons that they would hide people in. Like he was a part of the Underground Railroad. And so many people know about Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't know about William Lambert. And so um, it was just interesting to like, you know, learn a little bit about his history. So I will implore people to look him up. His history is really, um, it's really powerful because, you know, Detroit, historically, you know, this is where the Underground Railroad was. I mean, obviously the Underground Railroad, you know, was all the way from the South, all the way through to Canada. But specifically he's like a real big deal yeah but specifically right here on our waterfront so the detroit waterfront you know you have belle isle you have hart plaza you know these are spaces that have been carved out but we were learning about what was there before Mm. and you know through the underground railroad um people were able to go to canada but there was a period of time where um, slavery was legal in Canada and illegal on the Michigan side. So it, people would even be passing each other, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, going and coming, you know, both both ways for freedom. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting because, you know, some the, the current of the Detroit River is really, really strong. 
And so obviously every, you know, some people tried to swim across and they didn't make it. You know, there are um, routes from the different boats and things, you know, that they use. There are tunnels. Um, there's underground tunnels in Detroit, you know, all along the east side. Um, I've heard. The Purple Gang used to, you know, during Prohibition, mm -hmm. get the Canadian club, the whiskey or whatever from Canada and bring it through, uh, you know, those same routes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But basically through the Underground Railroad, that was a very um, often traveled pathway to go back and forth. And so... It's just really interesting, you know, being here in Detroit and learning the history of that of that water and really just thinking about that in in particular, you know, those stories in particular because when we think about Detroit oftentimes we think of Motown or we think of the automobile but Detroit was very significant in blacks becoming free. Mm. You know. That's real. The, the 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 last place, right? And think of all the abolitionists that were here. Um, Detroit had its own brand of slavery. There were enslaved Native Americans. The French were here. Cadillac was here enslaving people. Um, the British came. So, I mean, it's just so many stories that are just all the way down there. And unfortunately, Detroit is a city that never respected or preserved its historic buildings. Mm. And so we have very few original buildings in Detroit. There's a few, but we have very few. And so most of what Detroit has is stories because mm. they've torn down many of the historic buildings. If you go to a place like Philly, you can see that bell Boston. The, I the get bell has a crack in it. You can feel the antiquity of the bell. It's haunting and frightening. But I'm saying you can feel the the, the dark. They've kept the energy yeah. from that thing, you know. Yeah. And it's been there, like, ooh. Um, like when I told you I went to Brazil, we went to different communities. We visited the different communities. One community when we were coming back from visiting the Quilombo, we had gone. On a boat, we were staying in Marignao, which mm -hmm. is in the northeast, which is the northeast is the blackest part of Brazil. That's when you start going up towards Bahia and all that. But in Marignao, you take a ferry mm -hmm. and the ferry takes you into the Amazon. So when we went into the Amazon to, to visit the Quilombo, on our way, we stopped at one of the towns and the town was a major slave port. And we didn't stop there per se on the way to the Amazon. We stopped on the way back. So on our way back, going back to our hotel, from the you know, we took the ferry from the Amazon, then we got to this I'm gonna call it slave port town. It was off the beach. The beach was incredibly amazing, mm -hmm. beautiful, peaceful, serene. The bluest, most beautiful water. Palm trees was just gorgeous and just 
fat, it just, it just paradise. Mm. And then as soon as you come onto the shore, immediately is a prison. And the prison is from the 1700s. Mm. So the prison is like right on the beach. I have pictures of it. It's really haunting. I remember like, I remember you showing me like y'all pulling up and like, you can like, like it was like, if it was in a movie, you could hear like violin strings you could, being like, pulled. Right? Yeah. It was like eerie was. like that. You could feel it. Yeah, you could it feel it through the photos. Yeah. Like when I went there, I was like, ooh, it was a bit much. Yeah, it was. And um, they had like slave caves there. They had they had the big churches where they had been persecuting people. They had the whipping post. Um, They had the prison. And you could just see like, you know, in all the bars and the bricks and the stones and just everything had that feeling from like the 1600s, 1700s. And it. It felt like you had stepped into a portal. It, it was like you went through back in time and you were just, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Sankofa. My mom just asked me that. No. Well, long I story short. I saw Serafina, but she said Sankofa was even more like, wow. Yeah, Sankofa was, in short, a young woman who goes, you know, to like the gory islands mm-hmm. to um discover herself and in that you know she experiences all the haunting because that was the the mm-hmm. very last place where the enslaved where the where the africans would become enslaved and the ship would pick them up from there so many people killed themselves there many 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 atrocities took place mm-hmm. right there and like so many people go there and like lose their mind and the film is a dramatized version of of that gotcha. and so it's like her traveling like through time travel but i'm you get that kind of feeling mm-hmm. on on this particular piece of land and it's really strange because you get the dichotomy of these palm trees and this beautiful beach which when you think of water, you think of like freedom, mm-hmm. you know, in paradise. You think of just being free mm-hmm. on the beach, but it's like it's right there, and the prison's there, and the prison's been there forever and ever and ever. You can just feel the horrors that happened right there, and you can feel it. You know, there's the church, the stones are like really old from the 1600s, 1700s, and it just, ugh, it was just like really like, oh, you could feel the cobblestone streets. It's just, it was just like, whoa. Energy is interesting. You know how people be like, if these walls could talk, if that water could talk. like If whoa. that water could talk. Man, like. So Detroit has that. Mm-hmm. Detroit is actually an energy center. Mm. And so there's, you know, uh, when we talk about like elements of like water, metal, air, you know, this kind of thing. If you go to the waterfront of Detroit, there's a metal, I'm going to call call it like a Stargate. Mm-hmm. I think they even call it the Stargate, but it's like a big ring. And, you know, there's also what was a fountain. It's like a silver fountain. It used to be water shooting up from there, but they don't, you know, put the water there anymore. Mm-hmm. There's another, there's a statue. It's called something freedom. I have to look it up, but um, it's of... People or a family um, or a group of people that are looking over towards Canada and they're going to reach. They were made it through the Underground Railroad to the edge of the water and they're waiting on their boat to take them over to Canada to freedom. There's a 
twin statue on the opposite side, on the Canadian side. I never knew that. It's the same people, but I think either like one person's missing or something to show like who the people didn't make it, mm-hmm. something like that. But um, it's really interesting. That's that's like right there where they park like the not park, but they dock. Um, what yeah. is that boat? The princess. The princess. Or something? The princess. And it's interesting because you know that's the side of Windsor. Um, a lot of people have relatives, you know, right there in Windsor, mm-hmm. and vice versa. A lot of Windsor people have Detroit people. Um, if you go to the Detroit Historical Society, they have a an exhibit. If if I'm not mistaken, it's called like something like Road to Freedom mm-hmm. or something like that. So within, so you go through the entire um, trans, you go all the way through the transatlantic slave trade through the Underground Railroad, and then you get to the edge. This is in the exhibit. You mm-hmm. get to the edge of the exhibit, which is the Detroit side. There's and then they have like some water or something. Then when you go to the other room, that's the Canadian side, and then they give you the the black Canadian history of free black folks on that side and all that. But right at the edge, there's like a cutout of this young girl, and she's probably like twelve, and she is the great 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 grandmother of the woman who gives the underground railroad tour for the historical wow. museum. And that woman's from Canada mm. and she just gives you all type of recent history. Or I think there's like three elders that are still alive that were um, the last of those who were children of the ones who made it out. Mm. So, um, you know, like yeah. what you, uh, what you, you were, you went to River Days, so you were like basically on the Riverwalk this weekend from a yeah. different aspect, and then that's the West Side where they were, okay, the West Jefferson, different, you know, like different parts. But mm-hmm. I think it's cool that you experienced it like in real time motion, and then what was that today? You kind of like slowed yourself down to experience the Riverwalk from a from a different aspect. That's true, right? Um, oh my god and I told you like we took the the youth there Mm -hmm. and you know they had food trucks and rides and like three stages and you know all this stuff we had great weather and they had this like they had this I guess you want to call it like a shooting range I'm not into guns but the kids were like they wanted to shoot and I was like oh god right but I guess it was like an air rifle Mm -hmm. was like target practice and it was, that whole thing was like this blow up thing, and it was run by these like white supremacists, and they wanted to go over there, and I was like, oh my god! As soon as those young people walk over to that thing, boom, they took they that whole down. thing down. They was like, oh. Then they had another one. It's funny you called them white supremacists because like I'm getting the imagery with you saying that. I know that may be wrong, but. Their actions didn't <laughs> didn't you know their actions didn't you know prove them any different because that seems like something that you would learn in white supremacist class one-on-one like if a black person wants to learn right. how to shoot don't let them yeah can't, I mean, they can't know how to use their art you know it was a, he, i was about to take a photo like i saw it i said oh my god they got a gun range out here they had a blow-up gun range that's crazy with a huge rifle and i was like this is crazy so i was just about to take a photo right before i took the photo that dude Pop like one thing and the whole thing went down to the ground. I was like, wow. And the kids looked at me like, wow. I was like, okay. Then they walked over to where there was another part and on the other part 
was where I'm going to call them the conservation police were. Okay. And they had all types of like, what do you call that when those, um, oh my God, I forgot the word for that. But like when the animals are dead and there's just the skin, like the fur. Like the whole body with the when the they're tail. stuffed when they're stuffed. It's there not is stuffed. a name. Not stuffed. Not stuffed. Just like the skin, but it still has the tail and the face and the hands and I all know that. what you mean, but I don't know how to say it. Yeah. So it was like they wanted to show you like, hey, come hunt in Michigan. Because you know, Michigan is like great for hunting. This is like the hunting season. Mm-hmm. So they were like there. That's my like, birthday. And they were like, you know, showing off like these mm. dead animals and stuff. And I was like, ugh. And the kids went over there to go. Because they had guns there, too, that you could go shoot. <laughs> and the kids went over there. I was like, oh, no. And then, in a way, I was relieved that, you know, the white supremacists over there were like, oh, we're closed. I was like, whew. <laughs> I, I just don't believe in guns, you know. It's not, I mean, I believe that people have the right to bear arms, and I believe that that needs to be upheld and protected. I just, I don't like guns. I don't like seeing guns. I don't like touching a gun. Like, Copy. Yeah, I just I'm, I feel I'm, like I'm the cool exact same way. Like I feel like now that they are they exist, like to just be in and just to be a realist. Like I feel like there are some people who are meant to protect and serve, but I just don't feel like everybody is, should just feel entitled to have like fifty guns, even That's even crazy. one. But anyway, yeah. I wanted to ask you about something else: the food trucks, because oh, I feel yeah. like the they food, had so many. Like I remember, like people who were doing culinary, yeah, talking about like maybe five or six years ago, just like how hard it was. It to, is like it get still a food is. truck, and like now most of those food trucks was okay. There was a couple, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean there were a few mm-hmm. where it was black people or you know what what we would call the majority. <laughs> but um, but many of them food trucks was white folks. I got you from I the suburbs. You. Yeah, like it's just funny, like how things change. Like it's not, not change. I'll say, like it seemed like the city of Detroit, when all the other major cities or cities that are you know that have an urban population were getting food trucks, the city of Detroit was not on it till Mr. Gilbert got here. But I don't Listen, know. They did not. Uh, they made it difficult for people to have food trucks or vending of mm. any kind on the street, any kind of street vending. When they did, Dan Gilbert did a whole bunch of surveys and things like that. One of the main thing that people say they want was the street vending mm-hmm. and the food trucks. So I'm not sense. gonna say him, but I'm gonna say somebody down there that's doing strategy for him decided that. Um, to basically like corner the market and mm-hmm. get the monopoly. So it's very difficult in the city of Detroit to get a food truck license. As a matter of fact, they harass people. They've been harassing people. It's very, very difficult. They'll do stuff like you'll apply for the license. You'll mm-hmm. be licensed for like, you know, let's say like 14th and, you know, West Grand Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And then cops will come. And they'll tell you, you can't be here. And you'll be like, here's my permit, my license or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, you got to move down the street. And then you keep telling them like, but I'm, I'm permitted for here. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, no, I need you to go down there to 12. They'll force you to go down to 12. And as soon as you go down to 12, they write you a ticket. Oh, my God. Say you was um, serving and selling food when you didn't have a license. So they was doing stuff it. like that to people. And... um you know, just making it difficult to apply. Mm-hmm. Make the the process was just 
terrible. The application was just like just confusing and it was very expensive. So um, what what the folks down at Gilbertville did was stream work with the city, streamline the process. Mm. But it's kind of like redlining. So you have to qualify in order to be able to get the license and the permit. I'm with you. And so obviously, if you don't meet all the quote unquote requirements now, which ironically, people in Detroit can't meet. So all of the food trucks that are in Detroit are from the people in the suburbs. Clarkston. Wad Lake probably everywhere yeah from all over from uh, all over um, and it's really really difficult to be from the city of Detroit and have a food truck and as a matter of fact it's even more difficult to have a food truck outside of downtown it's, right. it's more difficult to have a food truck that's not at an event that's sanctioned by the well I don't want to say sanctioned but that's produced I know what you mean by the city or by um, the people at Gilbertville. I got And you. it's pretty much, you know, people would probably beg to differ, but it's pretty much people are being blocked. There's there's people being blocked from being able to um, have the licenses and permits to be able to do business. And in my opinion, if more people... Now, they'll give y'all an ice cream truck that's why you see all the ice cream trucks in the hood, the raggedy ice cream trucks. And they'll give you an ice cream truck, but food truck, not so much. Yeah, I've never really seen a food truck in the hood. But I wanted to ask you, too, like, you do a lot of, you, I mean, you engage with a lot of different people. Like, you're really dynamic like that. But mm-hmm. because you, you know, you you have a concentrated focus, I feel like you, you know, you, you, are around a lot of like-minded people in the city. So when you do things like do like river days where you're like really amongst like the vast majority of like the in crowd, every like people doing the surface Detroit things to do, mm-hmm. like what, and did you notice anything else? Did you see anything that like crossed your mind while you were out there this weekend? When well, you were at river days? I will say river days so white. Hashtag Riverday so white. Really? <laughs> What's interesting? I mean, I know they had Smokey Robinson on the stage, yeah. and I know they had these different stages and everything. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the food trucks, the attendees, the people working the festival, mm-hmm. the people who were like running the festival, yeah, all white. The people picking up the trash and with the garbage, black. Same. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And, you know, the people running the exhibits and in the front and all that, you know. So it was just interesting. And, you know, historically, River Days has been a white festival. It used to be country music. It used to be like that. the country music festival. It used to be River Days. Like, hello. Would that sound you. like a black festival? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was like country music. You know, so that's the con- that's the that's the country one, the one that you know how the like, River Days used to be the one with all the country music. So it's the one where you got you have movement, right? And then yeah. after that, movement one, was techno. Cut, yeah. Then after that is the country. I didn't realize yeah. that's River Days. Yeah. So they kind of like merged it a little bit. Well, I think what happened, which is interesting, because country music is really popular, and they, they actually bring them out. You know? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, country music. So I don't, I don't, I don't know the details okay. of like why, but they switched up the acts, and so at River Days, you'll you the last 
I'm not sure how many years, but at least like 13, 14 has been going. Well, I'm saying the change. Like, oh, the cha- the where they merge it, where it's not just where it's country. Like black artists. Got you. I say at least five. I don't know, but at least five years. Okay. Um, they've been having hip hop artists, R and B artists, soul, blues, jazz. That's interesting. And and then they mix it with rock artists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was like I told you. I got home Friday, and I'm like, "What is going on?" Like, it was crazy packed. Like, I yeah. haven't seen that many people out. In a while, it wasn't even like I got home Monday mm-hmm. and it wasn't as, for the fireworks. It wasn't as many people for the fireworks as it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday for River Days. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Like every day was pretty crazy. Yeah. People yeah. really love it. I mean, and they come from everywhere, mm. you know, mm-hmm. to do that. I'm, I mean, I'm. they used to have all the festivals at Hart Plaza. I really miss the, the ethnic festivals. I really miss... Um, African World Fest there, but I, I like it at the museum too. Like, don't get me wrong, the museum yeah. has its own feel to it, but it just is nostalgic thinking about it being down in Hart Plaza. Like, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not to compare the two, but yeah. yeah. Well, so there's all these events this summer. Well, so um, shouts out to uh, DJ Stacy Hot Wax Hell. Wicked, she's, wicked. Yeah, she's having the, um, she's gonna have her, it's a women. A music festival and it's called Sheometry. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's coming up in August. It's gonna be at the Marble Bar, and it's gonna be super incredible. Like DJ Minx is helping, okay, to put it together, and we're supposed to be involved. Well, we are involved. I hadn't put as much effort into it as I really need to, and mm-hmm. you know. But shouts out to Stacy. Like Stacy's been going at it. She's dope. I was looking at some of her mixes today. I'm like, man, she is. Well, she's the godmother of house. I saw that. That's a cool name. Like that's no. Huge. She's like a pioneer. She's like a house music pioneer. That's crazy. Yeah, and yeah, we got. She we're gonna have her on the show. You know, talk about the festival and everything. That's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, she's she's incredible. Um, and you know, she was out here doing it. When really no women was out mm. here doing it, you know, in the 80s. So she's, she's, she, and she does like so much. She produces music yeah. and she has a band and, you know, oh, she's yeah. just, she travels and she just world renowned. Whenever there's the movement festival, the techno festival, people come from all over the world. And I've done street team for her before. Mm-hmm. And when I'm, you know, doing the street team, you know, I'm in the street and these folks from Europe, when I pass Northern Flyers, I'm like, you want to see that um, Stacey Hotwax? DJ, DJ Stacey Hotwax Hill. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Her party's packed. For real? Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. That's super dope. Yeah. Super dope. So that's Stacey. That's in August. What else is going on? Um, So African World Festival. My favorite. It's going to be in August, third week of August. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, Stacey's festival is the that first um weekend. Okay. And then... um. You know, you got um, the, so the Muslim Center Mm -hmm. is doing the um, fourth week of August, the, um, over by here, across the street. They're doing a festival? Mm Mm-hmm, street festival. Oh, that's going to be nice. Yep, Dream of Detroit. So that's going to be incredible. Um, Oh, I I would let us see. Is this this the first year they do it all? No, they have it every year. No, they have it every year. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's going to be cool. So yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of summer festivals and fun um, and all that 
you're, I know you're doing, you, we're talking about doing the, I mean, you do it every year, the fashion show. Can we have any insight? Or Right now, I'm just, we're, I really wanted to get Sarak. Okay. But she's booked. So I'm like, ugh. I'm excited. So I'm looking for a headliner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to have the band, but um, I have to find a headliner. Um, you know, I want somebody, you know, that's got to get following, that's, you know, in line with the principles, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, somebody great, like a great performer and artist and you that, know and that's on saturday nights right yeah that's gonna be man the, the, that was this, that saturday that was incredible last summer. isn't it mm-hmm. yeah but Ma- last summer that was, was molly wop that was so good but mom and gia she doesn't want to have the same groups every year i get it she wants it to be different you know like every year so it's always a challenge because it's like you know there's only so much budget do you get overwhelmed <laughs> when you run an event like you literally are like I really don't, knock on wood. Like, I've been, quote, unquote, in the industry. I grew up in the industry. So both of my parents are artists. Yeah. You know, my dad's an actor and a writer, and he's been in Hollywood ever since, you know, I was, like, a baby, mm-hmm. you know? And my mom was a dancer and, you know, f- you know, photographer, but, like, mostly dancer, actress. Mm-hmm. And so I had been around the theater and things like that. And as a kid, um, my parents put me in acting and dancing. And so that was my identity for like the longest time was acting and dancing and everything. And I actually thought I was going to be an actress or a dancer. Um, You know, so I was in that world. And so I was used to being, you know, in, in theater Right. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, around artists, rehearsals, um, you know, backstage. And then I was telling you, I was in that summer program. Oh, yeah. The one for the Coleman A. Young. Young. And, you know, we were taught by all the Motown and um, professional artists in the city how to be professional artists. And we were just around. It was like, I don't know if you ever seen the movie or the tv show fame but it it was like that watch fame yeah yeah so it was like just being around art it was like being in the industry you know as a kid it was a local industry um and so we had to learn how to do our own makeup and our own hair we had to learn how to be on time we had to learn Mm -hmm. how to read lines and how to be spontaneous we had to learn how to sing how to dance how to act we had to learn how to um, be photographed and be photogenic. We had to learn um, some business. We had to learn just, um, you know, how to go on um, like what you would call like a go-see or audition. What's, what's, what's that? A go-see? Well, when it, go-see is for modeling. Audition uh-huh. is for acting. Right. So with oh, the, with the go-see, you. you have your headshots and it's, you know, what does a professional headshot look like mm-hmm. with your name and everything? And you go and you take the pictures with you to the casting, you know, to the photographer, to the casting agent, to the gig. And they decide whether or not, you know, they want to work with you. So when you get there, they'll have you walk or they'll have you... um turn or they have you pose or they take some pictures of you um that's for modeling for acting they'll have you they'll give you a script they might have you 
either some, you know, you will probably have a couple of monologues, depending like on the type of characters that you play. You might be more of a comedy or you might be more drama or you might be, you know, just different you know you might be a dark character you might play a villain or you might be lighthearted. you might usually play a good you know person or maybe you're a character actor you know you play a lot of fairies and witches and you know interesting (laughs) characters like that and you you can maybe you can do different voices and things like that you know you might be you know, a hand model or a foot model or a leg model, you know, or maybe you have great teeth, you know, you can do toothpaste and smile. So it was like, we were just really, you know, me in my home, mm-hmm. my mom used to model. My mom was a model and an actress and a dancer. So my mom groomed me a lot. Mm. And then my dad, you know, he was an actor and I had to help him with his lines when I would live with him. Mm-hmm. And so that groomed me a lot. And then I was always auditioning for stuff. I was always in different groups and performing and doing, you know. So that was my life from the time I was born all the way until I think I was probably like, um, I want to say around 18 when I went to college. Mm-hmm. And when I went to college, I went to Howard University. At that time, there was no dance major. So there was no choreography major. I wanted to be a choreographer. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So initially, I went for political science. Okay. And so I ended up being good at political science because I have a lot of attorneys in my family. Mm-hmm. You know, very successful attorneys and very smart attorneys. And so I was like, so... My family was like, well, you could just go and be an entertainment attorney type of thing. You know, if they don't have that, you know, because it was like, you got to go to Howard. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went and I started going to my classes and I was intrigued by the information. Um, At that time, Marion Barry was the mayor of Washington, D.C. He was going through the whole uh, process of being removed from being mayor he was being Mm. targeted you know he admitted to smoking crack and it was just really ugly and the but the people really loved him but he had to go you know for obvious reasons and then so there was um a political race to replace him during the time that um i was a freshman and somehow my political science teacher i guess because i was very well, you see, I have a whole podcast now where I talk about politics and stuff. So I've always been into politics because my family's very, you know, political, social justice, you know, activist, radical, black liberation type. And so, um, you know, communists and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, we I would always be in debate, you know, mm-hmm. and I went to African Standard School and then I had going to public school. So I was used to like debating my teachers, you know, debating my parents. Like, that's just the world I came from. Like, don't accept information that people give you. Think, use critical thinking and debate, you know. So I would debate my professors. And one of my professors was like, you should work on the, there's a campaign that's coming up. And it's going to be to replace the mayor. And I had seen the love that Marion Barry had. Like, you could just feel it in the city. It was mm. He was like the Coleman Young of D.C. Got you. And people did not want to replace him. It was like what happened with Kwame. Like, 
People did not. People were like, yo, I don't care. You know how in Detroit, like everybody was behind Kwame? Well, many people. Sure. I don't want to say everybody, but a he lot had, of people. He, he had... He he had a support, yeah, right? He had a lot of support. He had a lot of support. And so it was the for same good reasons, thing. For good reasons. For good, good reasons. reasons. And it was the same exact imagine that type of situation, mm-hmm. right? And so but he ha- but you know, they decided he had to go and exit the office and so they want to replace the office. So they, you know, had the race. And in reality, you know, the city didn't really want anybody. They wanted him. They wanted Marion Barry, but um the candidate that I was asked to work on her campaign, that was Sharon Pratt Kelly, who ended up being becoming the mayor. So I ended up being like the campus lead, the Howard University campus lead for her campaign. That's I had dope. never done that before. I had never, you know, it was my first time. Was there like a lot of people do into it at that point? Were you shocked like when you like finally entered that world like wow there are people a lot of people doing this or were you like wow why are there not that many people like what was your Mm, well dc is a very political city in general chocolate city that was my first time now detroit is a political city always has been yeah always had black leadership um dc at that time is very gentrified now but at that time was a black city it was called chocolate city and black leadership Mm -hmm. and you know by it being in Washington, D.C., the people in D.C. just naturally have this understanding about politics, federal politics, local politics. They're, they read the paper. It's a very um, deeply politically aware and educated city. Mm. Okay? Whether it's the street dudes or whatever, mm-hmm. everybody reads the paper. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody works somewhere at something they know they see the people in capitol hill they see the people in the white house they see the people the judges and all mm-hmm. the offices so they might work in a cafe they might be a shoe shine guy they might have sold them the paper they might you know be the barber cut their hair you know what i'm saying so the entire city there might have been the taxi driver so the entire city had revolved around politics and so everyone and th- at that time it was um president wise was bush one Daddy Bush. Daddy Bush. Yeah. So, um, so with that, you know, my professor was like, hey, you know, you should work on this campaign. So I worked on it and it was a learning experience. I learned a lot about electoral politics. And like when you say electoral politics, like mm-hmm. when people always say like, it's not fair, like the electoral college, like who are these invisible people? Like, well, or electoral is that- politics means, see, there's politics, uh-huh. which is like what we talk on this show a lot. Like what are the implicate, like the political implications of social actions okay. or like policy and decisions, mm-hmm. right? But the, but electoral politics deals directly with elected officials. Got you. Right. And so, or yeah. And so that was my first time actually learning about the electoral process, electoral politics. Campaigns, duh. Campaigns, people who are trying to get elected or right. who have been elected right. and want to stay uh, All of within their term. Got you. Yep. And so um, it was interesting. And, and, you know, I got invited to the party when she won like Mm -hmm. they were really happy I was working real hard on campus you know trying to it was difficult because when I was going through in DC 
and I was doing a lot of door knocking. I was recruiting people on campus to go into the community and knock these doors. We had to get on, we had to do phone calls and we had to do these like phone trees and we had to have, we, we had lists of like, you know, zip codes and things that we had to go to of voters registration. We had to register people on campus to vote so that, you know, what's interesting about DC is it's not a state. You it's know? a district. It's, right? a, it's a district. And so, but you if know, it was part of a state, what state would it be a part of Maryland? No, is it it's what or Virginia or is it sitting? It's, it's sitting right in between Virginia yeah. and Maryland or yeah. something like that. Yeah, Got and you. so basically, it's kind of like no man's land in a way. Got you. And that, so that's if you, so cool. You can register to vote. So you know they wanted me to really register a lot of um you know college people because mm-hmm. you can vote. So um that mm-hmm. was really interesting. You know, and so um I did I did a lot of that. Did a lot of voter education. Did a lot of you know, um, educating folks about her campaign, her policies and all that. And it was cool, you know, to work, to work on a team that won. Like that was a great feeling. You believed in her? I didn't know that much about her. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I looked at the other candidates, Mm -hmm. to me, she had, you know, it was like the best candidate. I got you. But the thing that made me feel some kind of way was that it you could feel that the people were having their leader taken from them i got you you could feel that they really want to marry and bury i see what you're saying so she was great she was great for the city she was you know she had good politics like she was the good person to take that spot at I'm that time you. right hmm. um that's deep so yeah i felt good i was on the right side of history mm. you know what i'm saying that feels good and she was a black woman. That's so I could sweet. say, boom. And, you know, she became mayor of D.C. So it's like, wow, I worked on the mayor of D.C.'s campaign. I led it for Howard University. Helped her get elected. You, I hope. You were at Howard during, I'm sure everyone has their perspective of being at Howard and mm-hmm. like what was going on during that time frame. But that's real. That's real interesting time frame right there. Yeah. 90 through like. Yeah. That's 93, 94. And then it was, it was pure chocolate city. When would you, so you, when the, your senior year had things started changing in DC, DC. Nah, it, still it was, was later. Later. Okay. Yeah. That was like in the two thousands. And when you went back through your, whatever, uh, whatever life you were living through photography, through did where you, when you came back to Howard for the first time after they had gentrified it, like, were you like, wow, this is crazy. This yeah. is a different city. Pretty much. Got you. Yeah. It's like Harlem. <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah. So, or shoot, Detroit now. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So, you know, I had wanted to, so that entire time as well, you know, I really wanted to major in choreography. So there were some of us there who identified as dancers. Mm-hmm. You know, I had studied, you know, Dunham. So I really wanted to be a dancer. Like that's what I wanted to be a choreographer. And they just didn't have that. And there were some of us, we would take classes. I'd take classes in D.C. They had classes at Howard. When you but say classes, like the one where, where they like have the choreographer who's like leading the class. Mm-hmm. And then like y'all learn routines and then y'all go in groups and yeah, stuff. That's so pretty fun. much. And, um, you know, you're on bar, you're on, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Plie, releve, mm-hmm. you know. It's not, it's fondue, yes. like all that stuff. I got you. You know, and so um, from there, you know, we would, we were like, 
petitioning. We 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 created a petition to get a dance major. <laughs> we were like, I was going around campus, like you know, I had we had gotten like hundreds of probably thousands of signatures to get this dance major. So every year we were trying to get the dance major to get the court and never got it. How about the year after I left, they, they created the dance major based on all the work we did. And I was like, I was y'all baby. I was like, next wow. generation. You left it was for the next, next generation. Gen- so Moses and like everything I do. It's interesting. <laughs> like I always do all of this work, whether it's 5e or whether it's, you know, get in the dance or whether it's like fighting for people. It's like, my legacy is that I personally never get to take advantage of the stuff that I fight for. That's makes you a it's god. It's like the, the people. It's always the people. At, now, don't get me wrong. I do want it to be for the people that come after me. At the same time, though, I would really love for me to be able to like take advantage of some of this uh-huh, stuff. I hundred percent know what you mean. I can give yeah. you like a thousand surface things that make me feel that way, but that means like when I say surface things, like high school, like you been you know playing basketball, like winning games, and then the year after you leave, the the team after you gets the new gym. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, but that at the type same, of stuff. but yours is on like a different level. So on the level that you're on, you're doing, you putting in the ground pavement. You hitting, excuse me, you're hitting the ground pavement. You're doing the work, like for other people to eat. That like low key makes you like a a god. Wow. What a what a lowercase g. Okay. For all the Christians out there, that's and, funny. You know. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's real. I mean, you know. Yeah, I get it. Interesting. I get it, but it's still... such my and what's what's really interesting about that mm-hmm. that is such my legacy, <laughs> my entire legacy of my life up to this point is always me creating something that other people get to benefit from, and you know I just had to tell myself like I just have to be happy about people getting mm-hmm. a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't have regrets or look back. You know. I have to just say, you know what? I'm really glad that I was able to fight and get that for them. And it's always like, okay, now I got to create something new. You know what I mean? Just like I'm doing, you know, the, like I'm working on this um, this sustainable fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's going to be super incredible, you know? It is. It's already incredible, especially like last week when we were at Juneteenth and hearing a young lady, Amber, talk about, you know, her doing work with Nike and then telling yeah. you she was just thinking about wanting to do a sustainable shoe. Right. You telling her, like, let me know what resources you need. Like, that right. stuff is, like, those, like, type of artists that who who want to do that type of work, I, like, I'm so, ex- that makes me so excited for the magazine. You know what I mean? Because that means yeah. you're going to be talking to artists who make that transition. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that means you get to highlight their process of, you know, doing things the original way all the way through them becoming more intentional artists. That's yeah. that's dope. And that's usually pretty much most of the things that I create. Even mm. like, you know, women in hip hop, mm. right? Nobody was doing that. Like, you know, I have many, many stories about those struggles. That should be a whole show. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, shoot. now it's like, oh, okay, people know it. And it's like, it has a thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, you know... So we doing it. That's why we gonna have a retreat. Yeah, you know, in September, Idaho. I was excited about that. And I don't, especially with all the rain that we got, that we received May, April, May, June. Like Idaho is about to be so about beautiful. Be, it's yeah. about to be awesome. Yeah. And I've been also taking this training. It's um this economic justice training that mm-hmm. I've been taking. It's called EJAM, and um basically it's the Economic Justice Alliance of Michigan. Okay. And they do 
they train folks in, in being community organizers and social justice um, through an economic justice lens, meaning things like working on a campaign about, you know, one fair wage, um, working on campaigns where, you know, you're looking at the community benefits agreement. So how do these things impact, you know, people through policy? But it's like we have to learn the history of organizing, the history of struggle. We have to learn about the issues. We have to learn different tactics, how to do lots of different community engagement tactics. Um, we learn about capitalism, white supremacy, you know, black liberation, you know, human rights, the, you know, the delegation of human rights. Like we just learn all these tools so that we are centered in justice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, important. Like, <laughs> The more like I'm just like seeing life, like I'm still seeing. I mean, we all are. It's we are all growing every single moment of the day. But everything can be broken down and looked at. I think you use the word in so many different lenses, and I think it's important too because we generalize so much in our life, and then we wonder why we have some of the same issues. Is because we don't take the time to really look at things through different from different perspectives, starting with our ancestors. Like mm. that's. That's the that's huge, but so yeah, that's cool. Well, man, we've been talking for an hour already. Can you believe that? I know. Well, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna just tell you about these next couple of events. I mean, I'm gonna reiterate them, you know, because we're coming up on July, and you know, I want people to know about them. But do you know that next month, I think there's there's a bunch of different like political conferences that are coming to detroit huge ones so you got um well on the 18th through the 20th you've got um climate justice alliance is doing a they're basically basically going to be talking about um the green new deal so it's be like a green new deal training and then you got um july 20th to the 24th is going to be the naacp's national convention that's going to be at Kobo. I, I, how much is, is that expensive to do? I'm not sure. You got to go on the I'll go on a website. website. Right. What is it? NAACPconvention.org. Let me see. And then um, July 24th to the 26th is going to be something called the People's Convention. Mm-hmm. And that's going to also be at Kobo Arena. And that's presented by the Center for Popular Democracy and Good Jobs Now. Shouts out to Good Jobs Now. Yeah. And you can find that on um, populardemocracy.org and just, you know, you go to there, like click on events and you'll see um, it's called the People's Convention. It's going to be in Detroit. And then July 30th to the 31st is the Democratic Party's national debate. It's going to be at the Fox Theater. What? Yeah. They got um, 20 candidates made it, like qualified to be to debate. But they have 25 candidates, yo. That's crazy. It's too much. It is too much. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Yang, his policies, I'm going to be honest with you, they're awesome. Like, I think so, too. Go on his policy page. His poli- I'm like, nobody in the media is talking about Yang. What's crazy is, is that he has these like crazy sounding initiatives that we just have never heard. But then yeah. you go on his website and he's breaking down how yeah. he wants to implement this early exactly. on. It's crazy. Exactly. So I really love his policies, but he's not getting no press, no airtime. But he did make it on the debate. So I really hope that 
he gets some airtime on this debate. I do too. I mean, right now the the people that I'm Bernie, he rubbed me the wrong way on something, but I can't mess with Bernie because Bernie tweeted, "quote unquote, I don't support BDS." If you don't support BDS, like we're in 2019, B- BDS is the sanctions. Um, you know, so basically, Palestine is getting pummeled by Israel. You know, every as we speak, the country is just being reduced. They're murdering people. Is it's basically a prison. You know, it's like they've stolen. You know, Israel has basically stolen you know palestine's land and then have them in the prison and they own you know land and it's just it's really an atrocity so the sanctions are basically you know against israel to say hey leave palestine alone let these people be you understand what i'm saying so bernie says he don't support bds to me that looks like funding from zionists and he doesn't and he made it clear on the Breakfast Club interview that he basically doesn't support rep- flat-out reparations for blacks. Like, he feels like the things that he has in his initiatives will help black people the most. And I don't know. Like, I've, I've always considered, I do like Bernie Sanders, like, and shouts out to Killer Mike. But I do like Bernie from the from the fact of ever since the 70s, when you go back and you look at the things that he's promoted and the people that he's campaigned for has been very consistent. This is the only, like, inconsistent, really. I don't it's know a big it's thing. Inc- yes. Yeah, he's huge. not for reparations. That's, like, Get out of here. <laughs> like, they straight up asked him, like, you don't think specifically black people should have something in the next four years that says I'm sorry and I mean that wasn't worded like that but basically and he was like no I just told you like X marks the spot right next candidate that's what I said like I'm like I've been rocking Biden is you know showing his hand you know chilling with separatists and racists and KKK about you know well you know that from you know what that's about what that's about is Piper it's like what you were telling somebody couple, like a few weeks ago, like, damn, like I'd rather like when Donald Trump came here and went to that restaurant, you like you would have been better for him to be like, look, I'm 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 a capitalist by nature. I'm running a business. Yeah. So with Joe Biden, like I'd rather just the reality of it, reality of it is, is that he's a politician. And right now, the way it sits with 25 candidates is looking like Donald Trump is going to be reelected. Of course. So. From a po- political perspective, you already know he's gonna have to try to steal some of them, them, they vote, his vote, them votes. Well, that's Biden's strategy that he's presenting is like, hey, you know, I can talk to these. I'm the white supremacist whisperer. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, I can talk to them and and get you guys what you need. You know what I'm saying? But like, you know what I'm saying? I'm cool on you. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm cool on him too. You know, I'm cool. But on I, you, I don't know. It's it's. Is it early? I'm rolling with Yang. I mean, regardless if it's unpopular, I don't care. You're, At this point, I'm rolling with Yang. He said... I really hope he makes it for the Charlamagne, nomination. Charlemagne asked him the same reparation question, and he basically said the same thing as Bernie Sanders. However, his initiatives do prove to me that they are the going policies. to... The policies. Yeah, they're going to help black people. I don't care people. what he say. Look at his a policies. A thousand dollars. A thousand. A thousand Universal dollars. income. But I mean, Bro, he has... I mean, sis. He has like... 30, 40 policies. Um, I need to go and look at some more. Yeah, he's his it's, it's whole policy page. Check it out. It's all great policies. Great policies. Right. I mean, for me, you know, pretty much 
that's the one I'm I'm rolling with. I'm rolling with him. I'm I like Andrew Yang. Now he talks, I don't care about him. He does. He I'm does. I'm rolling with his policies. He, he, <laughs> I hear you. You know what I'm saying? I'm, no, I'm I hear with what policies. you're saying. You like you fill in the policies. That's mm-hmm. that's where it's at. Yeah, I got you. That that that's long. But you know what I'm saying? Will he get the nomination? It looks like. From the way the media, you know what I'm saying? From the money that's going behind all the media. Mm-hmm. I thought at first that they were really going to go for Kamala Harris. But I see that they not putting no money on her. I see they putting their money on Biden. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it looks as if the 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 Democrats are going to throw Biden in as their... Um, you know their nomination. Yeah, because they think he's gonna match up well with Trump. Because he's like the Democratic, the Democratic. I have my air quotes up of Trump. Like, and I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know enough to know to say. No, nah, he's not gonna win. But I mean, I think. I think what they're doing, they're just they're just gonna throw him up. You know what I'm saying? And they're gonna use Bernie for the bait and switch again, like they did with Hillary. And they really just gonna put Biden through because. Cory Booker not getting no more press. I haven't heard from him Me in neither. like two months. Me either. Haven't heard from Kamala Harris Me in probably like she two months. She disappeared, yeah. Um, haven't heard from, well, a little bit Senator Warren. Oh, uh, yeah. A little bit Senator yeah. Warren. She did something recently. She gave a speech or she did something recently. A little recently. bit from her, a mm-hmm. little bit from Bernie, a little bit from Biden. But that's where all the press, you know what I'm saying, was really going. Um, what's his name? How do you say his name? Betty Berg, <laughs> mm-hmm. how do you say his name? Um, I mean, but most of the other candidates, you know what I'm saying? They're just getting like a little bit of press, you know what I'm saying? Like here and there. But um, you can really tell who the Democrats are going to like go for. And then this other dude just threw his hat in the race to make it 20. Oh, why not just make it 25? It's like, come on, bro. Like for real, for real, in my opinion, the Democrats... um. Should not have 25 candidates. But you know what's funny? That just made me think. They really shouldn't. Like, I feel like the Demi, as much as everybody seems in D.C. to hate Trump, you would think that the last few years they they would have been a little bit more strategic. Yeah. You know? But it reminds me of when... The year Barack's uh, second term was up, how many Republicans had run? Like, it's like the same thing. Like, the mm-hmm. counter, like, they were so ready to counter Obama's, uh, you know, eight years that mm-hmm. it was tons of them that was like running. Anybody. Like, and you, no one, and nobody. You want to be president? <laughs> yeah. And nobody thought, like, Donald Trump, like, it was so many of them, and they all thought, like, Donald Trump was just going to remember yeah. that, like, yeah, drop off, and I he do. never. But anyway, that's funny. Well, I just really wish they would have had two candidates. Yeah, me too, Piper. But it is what it, we here now. Yeah. So what are we gonna do? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Good. this man gonna win. We gonna have four more years. It's gonna be crazy. Shouts out to you. That was your aunt last episode that was talking about moving to Costa Rica, huh? Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. I was here. I listened to that over the weekend because I'm. I remember I wasn't there for that interview. So oh, okay, I was okay. Like, man, like that was powerful. Like, yeah. Hearing her talk about some things. So. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm out of here. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they don't have the military. That's crazy. Costa Rica mm-hmm. It's beautiful, to her, right? Clean, you know, beach, cheap fruit. Yeah, cheap. I mean, what I should say, agriculture, all that, fruits, yeah. vegetables. Oh my all goodness! That. So, right. yeah, so. that's where we gotta get to. Yeah, we get a house here. in Costa Rica. <laughs> I wanted to do Brazil, but my goodness, what they're doing, the the dude over there is. Tripping, the, the, the tropical uh, Trump. Trump. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh no! I mean, I'll, I'll visit. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I wouldn't want to be trapped. Yeah, I want to. I gotta get to Brazil. Shout mm-hmm. out to whatever energy is going on in, in DR. Like, oh, can, y'all, can y'all can y'all burn some sage this week for oh, DR, man? Goodness. For real, like, what is going on? Well, comparatively, you know, in Dominican Republic, people are turning up dead, right, and yeah. murdered. In Detroit, Chicago, and mm. pe- black women are turning up missing and dead in abandoned buildings. Um, indigenous women are turning up, you know, murdered. I mean, I think it's organ harvesting. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I think there's like organ harvesting. Just like with the crack, um, you know, what was going on with crack. I still, I think that whole thing was some sort of organ harvesting or mm. something because they're working on stem cell research and they're trying to do all types of stuff with the body and babies and lengthen life and do all types of weird science and gross stuff. Yeah, like and how the heck is a mini bar going to kill somebody? What the heck is, what, what is in a mini bar? Man, they got, they got like bioengineering, you know, labs and like mobile bioengineering labs and like all types of stuff like that, like all over the place. And, you know, pop-up bioengineering labs and stuff like that. So, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, that That's just my opinion. I think it's some, you know, I don't have no proof or nothing I like that. I know what you mean. Oof. And I'm with you. I believe it, too. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, you ready to rap? I think I'm ready to rap. Okay. Um, you know what's interesting as well? Before we go. Mm-hmm. Um... We're going to have the, uh, the the Detroit is Different podcast festival. Mm-hmm. What's the dates again? The dates on that is October 24th through the 27th, Thursday through Sunday. Okay. And yeah. and that's coming up. So just want people to know about that. We mostly talked about events, you know, through that's the summer. Cool. It's a lot going on. Summer, the summer energy finally kicked in. So it's, shoot, it's a we lot got of Jul- festivals. July and August is here. It's here. Yep. So. Oh my goodness. I have so much work to do. Me too. It's hard to even think about. But um, this has been great. You know, we got these this debate coming up. We got to study these politicians, um, if for no reason, if for no other reason, just to like understand the policies that they're putting forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to try to get Anita Bell on here to talk to us about, you know, reparations. I want her to tell you this thing about the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. <laughs> you so need me her to break that almost, down. You were like, you're going to crash, and I still almost crashed. <laughs> yeah, I want her to come on here and talk about that. I do too. So I'm going um, to reach out to her okay. and um, work to get her on here, because that's going to be incredible. Hmm. And yeah, so this is going to be super interesting summer. Um, it's a summer of, I'm going to say it's a summer of learning. Mm. And a summer of connecting and a summer of appreciation. I'm like gonna put that. that in the universe. You know, the summer appreciation for sure. There's a lot for us to appreciate, especially the knowledge you gain today. Like I love that kind of stuff. Like being able to like tap into, you know, fix things like water and trees and things that are older than us. You know, that working have been around. It. You know, that's yeah, cool. We working so, on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's up. Well, you have been. You got any last words? No. Okay. I'm good. Well, you have been listening to the Piper Carter podcast with your favorite millennial, Brittany. <laughs> and, you know, go on the website, um, DetroitIsDifferent.net, and you can check out all the different ways to listen to the podcast, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. 
and go on to social media and check out Detroit is Different and check out Piper Carter on social media as well. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. It's as simple as seven seconds of stillness. Seek, search, and surrender to the realness of the moment, of every minute. Heaven is right where you are, step in it. Your sanctuary is where we really live. We underestimate and don't give faith enough credit. We give doubt life when we can just dead it. Negative thoughts so ill, we need a medic. The scripts in the minds need a real good edit. A rewrite. Show doubt the door. That is the exit. Breathe, believe. The fear don't feed. The memory of the mistakes you made don't need it. The life you want, see it. Who you want to be, be it. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. Sometimes we gotta talk to ourselves. Yeah. Talk to ourselves for our own mental health. Right? Talk to ourselves every single day. Uh huh. But don't pay attention to what it is we say. Now how to best do it. Be intentional as we go through. See, with you and yourself at the table. Be ready and be honest, cause sometimes yourself ain't able to believe the unseen. Sometimes yourself ain't kind, yourself can be mean. Sometimes we gotta put our mind in check. Why? Because you deserve respect. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. No doubt, no fear. Just breathe. No doubt, no fear. Let go of doubt and fear. solo te trae preguntas, que tus pies plantados en tierra son tu conexión a multitudes. Creer es conocer que el tiempo te trae oportunidades para recibir la belleza que te ofrece el cielo y mar.